Pete McCarthy, Tim Britton, another edition of the Metrospective. Tim, fresh off his trip to Boston. How was it? We know it's productive for the Mets. Uh, how was it for you, Tim? You know, I, I think I was wondering as a reporter whether there was value in going on the road, uh, and I am probably happy to report no, not really. <laughs> um, you know, because you, you don't get extra access. And I, I wanted to see kind of what it was like in another park versus City Field. I didn't want to go through the entire season thinking uh, that the sport looked a certain way because I only saw it in one place. So I wanted to see it somewhere else. And actually, the, the second night in Boston, Tuesday night, uh, they, they have some press seating outdoors. Monday night, it was 95 degrees. I didn't take advantage of that. Tuesday night was a, a nicer night. And I got to sit outdoors, and you got a better sense for what the crowd noise sounds like for the players. Uh, that it is actually, it's it's very, you know, in the press box, you don't hear it. It just sounds like a low murmur. That's kind of what it is on TV when you're outdoors. Or it, you know, it's, it's pretty noticeable. Uh, especially there was like a 10 second moment on Tuesday night where it shut off. Uh, and it was just like, it sounded dead quiet. Um, so, you know, maybe that was good to, to hear. Uh, but other than that, in terms of just player access and, uh, you know, picking up on little things in the game, uh, probably not not worth the, the drive up there and uh, doing all that. So I don't know how often I will be on the road going forward uh, the rest of the season. It makes sense. Everything's being done over Zoom anyway, as far as the post game goes. I did notice uh, no fan cutouts at Fenway, right? I, I didn't see them anywhere. I actually preferred the look of the empty seats uh, at this point. I Maybe I'm alone on that. Well, they, they had... The only place they had the fan oh, cutouts the was over the Green Monster, which That's was right. was interesting. You know, I, I thought one of the weird things, and I I wasn't not, I was not at the game at City Field last night, so I, I didn't get to check out if it's changed at all. Uh, was you know in Boston, the dugouts are so small that a lot of players were using those like secondary, you know, the little tented area next to the dugout in the stands to sit there. Uh, a lot of the Red Sox players were from where we were. I couldn't see whether the Mets players were because at City Field, they didn't really use those. Uh, and I don't know if that meant they were back in the clubhouse or, or, or what. Um, but it's, you know, they built that little tent thing to house a little canopy to house uh, extra players during the game. They were supposed to be sitting in there and I didn't see them use You know, there's a handful of players in there where in Boston it seemed like a bunch of them were using it. So uh, I, I don't know if that will change moving forward. Well, the clubhouse are so small at Fenway Park. That's uh, there's, true. There's yeah. nowhere to hide there. You, you have to be out and about, uh, which uh, might be part of it. Uh, last time we talked about the Mets, right, there, there were maybe some concerns about the offense because they hadn't scored. I was like, they're going to score. They'll be fine offensively. And maybe this just goes how bad the Red Sox pitching is. But 20 runs over the last three games for the Mets offense. So hopefully that uh, allowing people to feel a little better about that. Now, still have concerns about the pitching staff as a whole, the starting pitching with the injuries that this team has had. Noah Syndergaard out for the season, Marcus Stroman uh, with the calf injury. But how about David Peterson uh, against a tough lineup? Uh, as much as the Red Sox pitching we can get on, this is a team that can hit. And he's freezing J.D. Martinez or, or tying him up on inside fastballs, change-ups uh, for some big strikeouts in that game. That, that was something else for a guy in his major league debut against a team that drafted him out of high school uh, and to earn the victory in the way that he did. Impressive stuff in your major league debut. Yeah, and I, I think you put it well. That's impressive stuff because what we've heard about David Peterson for a while is he was a polished pitcher. Luis Rojas kept using the word pitchability, which is that catch-all term for like he does. You know, he makes the most of what he has. He does all he's these the secondary things, right? Yeah, that's the old crafty. But he's lefty. not old enough to be crafty. But he'll he'll <laughs> develop to crafty. But the you know, kind of the 
that saying that about a pitcher, it's kind of like the nice personality of a pitcher. You know, <laughs> like like he's, he's got a great personality. He's got great pitchability. That that usually means your stuff doesn't play to the same extent. It's not a ninety nine mile an hour fastball. It's not a a slider that that bites viciously. That you know you can see as a fan. This is why the guy succeeds. Whereas Peterson's stuff on Tuesday. You know, you, you can see it in the inter squad games uh, where you don't have the gun on it. You don't have you don't see quite. You know, it's harder to gauge where, where a guy is with his stuff in the, the summer camp inner squads uh, against that lineup. I was really impressed, especially with how he handled J.D. Martinez. I wrote about it after the game. Uh, you looked at that. He had a three pitch sequence there in the first inning. Uh, he was behind two and one and he gets a blows a fastball by Martinez in the zone. So being able to work in the zone with your fastball and get swing and miss. That's a big step for any pitcher. Uh, then he followed that with a slider that Martinez swung at, but they called it a check swing. Uh, was one of his best sliders of the night. Uh, and then, you know, handed the extra strike mar against Martinez. Uh, you know, Peterson had to strike him out a second time and got him with a changeup inside. So that's three different pitches uh, that he showed back to back to back against the best hitter in that lineup. And, you you know, you can say what you want about, about where the Red Sox are. The pitching staff is even more dreadful than, than I would have thought going in. Uh, I, I covered that team a couple of years ago. I, I, I don't know any of these players. Uh, they're all retreads from worse teams like the Tigers. Um, but the lineup is good. And I think what's even better for Peterson is the biggest outs he got in that game were against the best parts of that lineup. It wasn't like, you know, okay, Martinez and Devers and Bogarts all had two hits against him, but he worked well against the bottom third. You know, he was getting Kevin Ploiecki out. It's actually Ploiecki who gave him trouble, and he got Martinez and Devers uh, in a few big occasions. You know, Martinez with the, the bases loaded, nobody out. In that third inning, he got the strikeout with Martinez and the weird double play from Devers uh, that, that I think they should have been able to turn without the run scoring. Uh, but everyone was confused on that. Uh, so I, I think that was as good as you could ask for for him in his first start. You don't want to coronate him. You've got it's one start. We've seen uh, guys have really nice first starts before, and it doesn't translate down the line. And, and we'll see what happens his next time out against Atlanta. Uh, but that, that was as good a beginning for him as you could have hoped for as a Mets fan. And look, anyone who plays fantasy baseball knows to earn a win <laughs> has been hard uh, these first week or so of this season because so few pitchers are being allowed to reach say 90 pitches so they're done after four whether they're throwing well or not the fact that he's able to pitch into the sixth inning that's a great sign too yeah and I mean I, I think if he were if this weren't his first start it looked like he tired a bit in the sixth but he was so efficient with his pitch count I think he was he was at like 66 pitches uh in that sixth inning with with an out or two uh, like he could have gone into the seventh uh, if he got out of that six a little a little more smoothly. Um, you, you could tell it was starting to get away from him, probably because it, it's his first start. I think he'd only gone five up and downs uh, in his latest scrimmage. So he, he showed the efficiency to be able to work deeper into a game when he's he's in that physical, that mid-season physical form uh, that guys haven't quite reached at this point. Maybe this is a kind of a secondhand question for you, but guys like Peterson and Andres Jimenez uh, having the opportunity to you know, make their, their major league debuts in, in the midst of all of this. What do you think their stories are going to be like, right? I mean, someone like David Peterson, usually your family is in the crowd. They can greet you after the game. And instead, you're in an empty ballpark. And he, he has some personal ties, as I mentioned, uh, to the Red Sox because he was drafted by them out of high school. And there is this kind of kismet nature to it all. But then... You're so removed from what so many other players' first game experience is. 
Yeah, like I, you know, I wonder if that made it a little bit easier uh, to do it on the road at Fenway that there, there, you don't have uh, like the 37,000 fans on top of you the way it often feels for a pitcher there. Uh, you know, and when he sails his first pitch high and outside, uh, you don't have the crowd going, ooh, that, that kind of thing uh, to kind of unnerve you a little bit at the start. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, for him, afterward, he, he called it one of the greatest days of his life, which you understand. Uh, I'm sure telling the story, it will feel like 37,000 fans were there booing him from the start. And, it, it you know, I, I'm sure the adrenaline was pumping just the same as it would have been otherwise. Uh, so, uh, you know, it is weird. It's, it's unfortunate for, for those players that they can't have their family there for, for these big moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that takes away from, from what they, what both of them have been able to do guys who, who would probably be, if, if we're playing a normal season, probably would have been getting their reps at triple a uh, before. And now they're doing it at the major league level without ever playing it in, in Syracuse uh, and looking pretty good doing it. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Mets for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Again, that's GetRoman.com Mets for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. You know, Pete, I heard you were you were traveling down south soon, and I, I don't know if you know this. It's warmer the closer you get to the equator, uh, so you need refreshment down there. What better way to have your refreshment than in the barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug? Yes, a dugout mug. It's licensed by Major League Baseball with your favorite team laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Go to dugoutmugs.com/theathletic. Use promo code MLB30. For 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic code MLB30 for your very own dugout mug today. So that's the unique start for guys like Peterson and Jimenez. And then there's the weird end. And Jose Reyes's end came years ago, really. He hasn't played in the big leagues since 2018. But uh, he put out on social media yesterday that uh, he is retiring officially. The Mets had a tribute video during the game yesterday. And for who? <laughs> Does he, he's got a couple of former teammates uh, on that Mets bench, but it's not something that the, the fans can exactly take it. Yeah, it's such a, a, a complex emotional feeling with Reyes. You know, as as a fan, you know, when he came up in 03, that was, that was when things were, were starting to turn in a different direction for the Mets. Uh, that, that you could see that that was the first big time prospect they'd called up in a while at that point. Uh, cause, you know, they had traded guys like Alex Escobar. He was like the first guy since like Ochoa where you got really excited to see his mm-hmm. debut. Uh, and, and he fulfilled that promise for, for so long uh, that, you know, I, I remember getting into arguments with 
uh, friends in college that that Reyes was the key to the the 06 Mets that you know he was the best leadoff hitter in baseball even though his on base percentage wasn't great you just the feel he gave you when he got on base in the first inning and and all of the the strenuous defenses I made of him as a player throughout uh, the early part of his career uh, and then you think about uh, the domestic violence incident, which clearly alienates a large portion of the fan base, you know, got, got him released in Colorado, made the Mets really the, the only team willing to take a chance on him afterward, uh, and, and made a lot of the fan base, uh, a lot of the Mets fan base feel differently about him than it had before for very justifiable reasons. Uh, and then, you know, in late in 16 and, in, and 17, he was a decent player for them, a, a decent piece, if not quite a full starting level player. Uh, I guess maybe he was for, for large portions of 17, and he did start that wild card game in 16. Uh, and then in 18, he was he had such a difficult season, uh, and they, they kind of hung on to them to, to their own detriment because of who he had been, uh, that I think even some other fans who, who, had, who had liked him even after the, the domestic violence incident uh, were still, uh, still didn't like seeing him at that point. That it was just kind of, it was tough to watch him go through a season like that. Uh, and it was nice that he got the, the one game with Wright at the end of the season, uh, and he got his little his own little goodbye uh, the day after that. But it's you know you want to be able to fully celebrate what he was as a player, uh, and I don't think you, you can because of because of the domestic violence. Yeah, you know, it's so intertwined, and it became a, a big debate amongst Mets fans: should the Mets bring back Jose Reyes? And I, I think people kind of burrowed into into certain camps when that was the case. And I, I know in my case, I said they should not. Uh, sign Jose Reyes. Now, I will say, if we're talking about from a baseball perspective, he was vital to them down the stretch in 2016 to making that wild card game. Him, Estrubal Cabrera, and Yuanes Cespedes at the top of the lineup were terrific the, the last month and a half over the course of that run. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, it's a long story for a lot of these guys' careers, and you know, certainly a, a lot of highs and lows with Jose Reyes. But early on in his career, as electric a player as there was in baseball. He, I think Sports Illustrated had a poll. Who's the most exciting player in baseball? And Jose Reyes was number one. I think that he was number one for a time with that question. If you could start a franchise with one player, who would it be? And, and Jose Reyes was an answer for a, a small window of time there uh, with what he did at, at shortstop, the speed, the athleticism, and uh, you know him developing in 2006. So... Yeah. as a as a player in early on in his career I mean he was something else to watch yeah I mean uh, even as a fan I didn't like buying jerseys of, of players because I felt like it was bad luck it started you know like the first football jersey I ever had was Rodney Hampton and it was like right before he got hurt and his career was over <laughs> and then my brother gave me Jason Seahorn's jersey right before he wrecked his ACL mm. so I, I, I had the way it works I, in football I had the yeah I had the this bad luck idea with jerseys uh, so I didn't get so I wouldn't buy like a, a David Wright jersey or Jose Reyes jersey because I was afraid of of what would happen if I did I, I've never bought an Eli Manning jersey for instance uh and then when Reyes signed with the Marlins, I saw, you know, Models is selling his jersey for 20 bucks or something. And I go, well, he's not on the Mets anymore. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and, and I bought the jersey for 20 bucks. Uh, and, and then, you know, it's, it's somewhere in my parents' basement. Uh, <laughs> hasn't, hasn't seen the light of day in a little while. No. Uh, all right. We'll have another podcast for you coming up next week on Tuesday morning. The Mets uh, finish out this series with the Red Sox tonight at City Field. Then uh four-game series, wraparound series in Atlanta before 
uh, getting the defending champion nationals for the for the first time this year so off we go it'll be uh, almost another 10 percent of the season in the books tim it goes fast yeah it's it's <laughs> tough to you don't want to evaluate things too quickly but you have to like it it, it moves fast adios adios pete